thank you for listening to Papercut Podcast, bringing you evocative interviews with local creatives every week from hometown heroes to hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place to see live music in Winnipeg for over 30 years. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Gocher. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Graham Hussein. Please tell us a bit about all the stuff that's happened since last time we talked to you. Do you remember? Oh it's been a little while. Well, <laughs> yeah, the, the when we had the interview, I hadn't even started dragging the peg. Well, I yeah. had, but it was like in pre-production. Right, we were doing a little bit of a teaser, I think I remember. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, we were indeed. Uh, talk so a little bit about it. Sure. So since uh, since that last interview, we obviously did our first season, uh, and then we're just wrapping up the second season. Depending on when this airs, it might the grand finale may have debuted, or it may be a little bit. But yeah, two seasons. When is it coming out, Graham? <laughs> That's a really good question because I had to do because of all this nonsense. I had to do the final episode over Zoom. Right. And totally underestimated how long it would take for my dinosaur computer to encode like a like an hour long video. Right. <laughs> so I told people that it would debut on Saturday, but I'm here now and my computer's been running for 28 hours straight and I'm at 62%. So really Monday, maybe, I'm not sure. That's gonna be a mammoth file. That's it's yeah. It's unreal. <laughs> it's it's I, this is, why this is why it's not a video series. This is why it's a podcast because video is a nightmare and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know all about that too. <laughs> yeah. um, well, congratulations on two seasons, by the way. That's, that's huge. Jared knows all about that. <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's very, it's weird. <laughs> elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Well, I don't know. Uh, like, I feel like the last time that I talked to you guys was like yesterday. And then now it's like, oh my God, in a year, there's been like two full seasons and I've started drag and the drag scene has completely changed, obviously. And it's just like weird how fast time flies. Yeah. So how about we talk a bit about your podcast and how it has helped or changed or encouraged like growth in yourself and in the drag community you cut out a little bit but i'm going to assume that you were saying how it's changed the well drag you community. and the drag how community I, ah gotcha how i how graham Hussein himself has revolutionized dragon winnipeg that's, that's a really what i meant <laughs> <laughs> that's the headline though <laughs> but that's a really hard question for me to answer, which I've asked a couple of times, because sometimes, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel like this too as podcast people, but sometimes I just feel like I drop an episode and it kind of just like falls into the void. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see the people who listen and you like get a couple of comments, but um, for the most part, it's kind of just like exists for me almost in a way. Uh, drag in the peg, I feel like well, for me, I mean, it gave me the perfect entry point into doing drag myself, you know? So, like, over the course of the past, whatever, um, which is a very small amount for two years, but my God, that is all that I can handle. 
um, like, I feel like I've learned as much as I can from the people that I've interviewed. So it's completely changed the way that I see drag, certainly, and the way that I do drag and the way that I kind of position myself within the greater community. And for the community, I mean, I hope my, my, the best case scenario would be that it just like reassured these people that their stories are important and that people want to hear them and that they're important to document because we've never really seen a ton of documentation about the drag scene in Winnipeg, even though it's been here for like hundred, like a hundred years, probably maybe yeah. a little bit less. So you were saying that you've used it as, as your jumping point into the drag scene. Have people reached out um, and been able to use the podcast as a, a jumping point for their introduction into the local drag scene? I think so. Uh, at least I hope so. There's there's certainly a couple of people who gain new perspectives on specific performers that maybe don't perform as much anymore or performers who've maybe retired or something like that who've made massive contributions. Like, um, for example, Carlos Las Vegas was considered to be probably the first drag king in all of Winnipeg. And his contributions to the way that we talk about and the way that we practice drag now are monumental. But nobody really talks about Carlos anymore because the scene is constantly in flux. A lot of those performers that were around when Carlos were around maybe don't perform as much. And um, so, you know, now we just have this like hour plus long documentation of this amazing performer's contributions to our scene. So, yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, I guess. I, I think it gives people a good body of reference of the community before they want to join, if that's something they want to do. Sure, yeah. I would say, um, I mean, lots of people all around the world, their contact point with drag is RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And before Drag in the Peg, and I'm not, like, I'm going to chalk that to my ignorance as well. Before Drag in the Peg, I did not know that there were so many drag queens and drag kings in Winnipeg. Likewise. And also, your podcast contributed to like a bunch of awards with the Uniter, whatever it's called. Sorry, what's it called? The Uniter 30s. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like a huge contribution. I want to talk a little bit about if you can or to the mainstream drag and what a local drag performance is. Mm -hmm. Totally. And how your vision of what you thought drag was has changed from being in the drag community a little bit more hands-on. Yeah, I mean, it's so... I get asked that question a fair amount and it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, it's, it's sort of like any other art form where the like mainstream commodified version of it is just like a completely different beast than the actual like practice of it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess if we're gonna talk about like specific metrics of like uh, ways that drag race is different than local drag, like drag race doesn't allow uh, drag kings to perform on the show. Drag race doesn't allow uh, women or people who are assigned female at birth to perform on the show. They don't allow trans women. Um, they haven't allowed trans um, Like, 
it's so comical to me when I think about that now because I would say probably at least a good half of the local drag scene is contributed by like trans and non-binary people and women and uh, people who are assigned female at birth. So the idea that there are like limitations in place on like the greatest stage for drag in the world based on like sex is so weird. Um, like truly bizarre to me because I don't know. It's just so unnecessarily exclusionary. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say that's probably the biggest part is Drag Race is so exclusive to a, only a very small percentage of drag performers. Meanwhile, the, the local scene, there's people of all different backgrounds, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, we don't see, this is kind of specific to Winnipeg, uh, on Drag Race, we don't see a lot of Indigenous drag representation. In Winnipeg, the best drag queens in the city are Indigenous drag performers, and Drag in the City was really formed by um, Indigenous two-spirit performers. Like, it's kind of hard to divorce the way that the trajectory of drag in Winnipeg has gone from its beginnings uh, created by Indigenous people. Yeah. Can you... Uh, give us a little bit, I know it's a, a bigger background, um, and this is a quick cut, but maybe a little bit of background on what the community used to look like and maybe how it's kind of grown into what it is today. For sure. I mean, like we've had, there's there's a lot of like gaps in my knowledge too. The, the, the ones that I've interacted with probably as far back was like the 70s. Okay. Um, and drag was certainly very uh, dominated by white cis men, kind of the way that we probably think about drag on like the drag race level. Um, and, and it was more, <laughs> pardon? And most other things. And most other things. Uh, 100%. So uh, it was more, it was more pageanty and it was more about um, men passing as women. Um, and then, you know, smash cut to now kind of skipping over a ton of different eras of drag, uh, drag is literally just kind of like performance art. And of course there's like a component of gender to it, but I don't think that you're gonna find very many drag performers in Winnipeg who use the art form of drag to uh, perhaps pass as another gender. Does that make any sense? Like drag now is right. performative gender. Um, and it's more of like, uh, an opportunity and a body of work to kind of explore ideas around gender rather than crossing a hard line, you know? Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, also, like, in Winnipeg, we used to have five different gay bars, you know? And there were shows happening every single night of the week. And there were also a lot less drag performers. Now, we really have just, like, one or we've got two gay bars and we've got like probably close to a hundred drag performers. So it's just like a very weird flip-flop. Interesting. Mm. Uh, do yeah. you know why there's a decrease in the amount of gay bars or maybe venues that, that would be, I guess, more welcoming? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I don't think there's one definitive is that uh, back in the day, um, gay bars used to have like members. So you would pay a membership and you would be allowed in if you had a membership. And now, 
things because they didn't want just anybody walking in there because, I mean, if you were seen at a gay bar, that could seriously damage your livelihood. You know, they really had to keep a closed door to community members to ensure their safety. And that would secure them uh, like a, a regular source of income that would allow them to stay open. But as it became a little bit less stigmatized to identify as queer and uh, a little bit less taboo for even like straight people to go to queer spaces, they didn't really need these clubs to be private and to have closed doors. So they lost a huge chunk of their income and uh, just couldn't keep up with, I don't know, the industry, if that makes any sense. That's interesting. Yeah. I never knew about the memberships. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they had to do it to make sure that, that, that people wouldn't just come in and out everybody who was there, you know? Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, drag persona, uh, where she came from, and also about some of the awesome opportunities that you've had. Like you were on stage with Alyssa Edwards. That's pretty I was. friggin' cool. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So I started drag literally a week before the first episode of Dragon the Peg launched. Um, and my drag queen persona is Contessa Lestrange. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I kind of just, like, just leapt into it, which was really weird and kind of just completely changed my life. I mean, fantastic, uh, but also strange in that, like, within that, like, I don't know, because I, I think that when I went on stage with Alyssa, I was, like, only four months old. So, you know, you go from never doing drag at all to performing with one of the most famous drag queens in all of the world. Um, which was really weird. Alyssa Edwards is a particularly strange uh, example because Alyssa is a performer um, and she's very beloved by fans, but Alyssa has never really been a drag performer that particularly resonated with me. Um, so when I met Alyssa, you know, like everybody was kind of freaking out because they're like, this is massive, this is huge. Um, but meeting Alyssa herself wasn't really that much of a big deal to me. <laughs> so like it was a crazy opportunity because like I got to perform for like 1500 people um so that was sick but like the the act of meeting Alyssa was kind of just like oh yeah that's the person from TV that people really love did that take some of the the nerves off of that whole performance not being I guess starstruck as much yeah yeah I think for sure like it, it's it's a big difference if like I were to open for for, for example like Sasha Velour who's another oh. like comparable RuPaul's Drag Race level of fame person Sasha has impacted me a lot more than Alyssa has so I think if I was opening for Sasha I'd feel like I to live up expectations and like level of performance on top of like the fear of having to perform for 1500 people meanwhile with Alyssa it's like I know that Alyssa Edwards does not give a fuck what I do on stage Alyssa Edwards just needs more time to powder her nose <laughs> you know so like right. difference difference and also like off stage oh like on stage and off stage there's a character and a not character right mm -hmm. so like meeting Alyssa Edwards in character is much different than just being like Hi, I'm gonna be on stage like for a sec, you know. Well, actually, if we want to get into always it, always like that. Yeah, get into it. I, I would, I would say, let's talk shit about Alyssa Edwards. Um, <laughs> I loved Alyssa's great, um, but Alyssa, I feel like that reference would be applicable to any other drag queen or king or performer in the world. 
except for Alyssa Edwards. Alyssa Edwards is Alyssa Edwards 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. I only spoke to her two times. She could not say hi or learn my name. She walked into our dressing room and said, does this dress match my lipstick? And we said, yes. Like if there's a mirror <laughs> within five feet of Alyssa, she's gone. She's lost. Yes, she's- you know, like. <laughs> That also must be exhausting. exactly so. Okay, like so I wasn't bitter about it. Let's go back to uh, some of your performances and also your like nods to local when you do it. You are performing to like local tunes sometimes. I for sure am, and I think that that's. I mean, like uh, Olivia specifically, you know, like like my heart and kind of my beginning in Winnipeg art scene was through music. So when Sorry, I started doing drag, trying to kind of marry. Oh yeah. Um, let me start again. Sorry if I cut out. Uh, Olivia, you kind of know, like, my beginning with Winnipeg art scene was through music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I started doing drag, I kind of kept them separate for some reason, and I'm not really sure why. I think I just didn't... I don't know. They just seem like two different things. But as I've gone on, I've really tried to kind of marry the two a little bit um, and kind of bridge that gap. Uh and I mean, I spend so much time thinking about and interacting with the local music scene that, of course, it's going to influence my other artistic endeavors. So, like, performing with Veneer was probably, like, the highlight of my whole drag career. Because right. I love Veneer, and they're my friends. And, like, doing their like doing a song with them at their album launch was, like, just, like, the perfect little marrying of my two passions. And it was... And you also have a veneer tattoo, don't you? What? I do. Oh my god. Can you see it? Wow, that is amazing. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love veneer very much. That is fantastic. When did you get that? I got that uh probably in January. Okay. Yeah. Is 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 that a trend you would like to see continue more uh drag performances overlapping with local art in different mediums? Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, it's 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 kind of like a trend that's already started happening specifically with Synonym. Uh, like Synonym's Drag Brunch and like Begonia's whole album campaign was just like right. created amazing opportunities for so many local drag performers, which was just like beautiful, uh, fantastic. Um, and yeah, Synonym, Synonym has done a really good job of kind of marrying those two communities together. But yeah, I mean, like performing to just like a track that's is one thing but for uh like the voice of somebody that you know or even better if you're performing to like a live band or something like that it's just like the most beautiful form of artistic collaboration that you can imagine i love it mm-hmm. yeah. that's fantastic um i've got one more question liv i don't know if you have another question or if you would like to jump in before no, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Um, so at four months old, you were already sharing the stage with one of the biggest stars. So you have a wealth of advice, having done two seasons of Dragon the Peg now. If I'm getting started, should I be tossing myself in it? What are the what are some of the do's and don'ts of just getting into drag? Um, I would say the number one do is just like, you know, go to drag shows. You know, um, that's the best thing that you can do. I mean, drag in the peg is one thing. Uh, Immersing yourself in like drag is another thing, certainly. But I think that the only real way that you can kind of understand drag truly 
is by just going to see it as much as possible. And Club 200 is one of the most welcoming environments in the whole city. Um, so I think just going to shows, if you're, a, if you're somebody who's interested in drag, will give you so much amazing perspective. And then if you're ready to start trying to do drag, I mean, come to shows in drag. And there's a lot of amazing um, sort of like drag groups that are creating platforms for new performers, like Slunt Factory is one of them. Uh, Bannock Babes is another, specifically for indigenous performers. Um, Sunshine House is another great opportunity. Like there's just so many great organizations that are willing to help you get on the stage for the first time. But I think the first step should really be just kind of experiencing it live for yourself. Yeah. And bring some fives with you. And bring some five if you if you want to make friends, bring some fives. Bring some, some tens, bring some twenties. Yeah, bring some tens and twenties if you really want to make friends. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you. Bring so the twenty dollars. I'll be your best friend. I'll get you in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have one more thing that I wanted to say is that you are okay, we got you dragging the peg and we have you uh performing as a drag queen and you're winning all these awards and also you're like a Polaris Music Prize juror now. Congratulations. What? Thank you. Is this next year going to look like what are the next five years going to look like? What are your big goals? Or are you just like along for the ride with your skills and personality and just going to I kind of just do things that I think are worthwhile and are fun and will contribute to the various communities that I'm in. Um, I feel like I've been, I mean, being part of the Polaris jury was, was huge um, and very honoring, uh, but I feel like I've almost like been neglecting the music side of things for a little bit. So I'd love to get back into music writing. Um, I had a blog for a little bit called Queer Music Spotlight, where I was specifically interviewing uh, queer local artists kind of just on their art. And I really want to bring that back. That's kind of my next like big step is, especially after season two, is I want to, I want to get back into that. I want to get back into music writing. That's, that's, that's home to me. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've got a blog for you. Anytime you want to send us something over, home. We'll edit and post. Oh you my can gosh. have your own corner upon the paper cut. It's wow. Time. Yeah. Any the support that you need because you are fully like revolutionizing everything. You're a force to be reckoned with, and we want to help you as much as possible. We yeah. love you so much. We Aww. love you. Thank you. I love you guys so much. You're the best. Thank you so much for coming on and recording today. That was fantastic. We really appreciate and it. And thank, thank you for cutting deep, deep with, with us, us on Paper Cut, cut Podcast. Thanks. <laughs> with the legs, it is so hard.